Okay, everyone. Would you want to grab your seats? There's people walking around with drinks and snacks. You might want to grab one before you leave, so you've just got something to munch on. Now, I don't know um, if you've had this um, situation in your life, or you've... Um, if you're a parent or a grandparent or you've got nieces and nephews or you work with children, one thing that you'll notice is children go through phases where they change and they develop. And in my household, we've got, I've got two boys and they're currently in a phase that I would just, oh, I can only describe as the would you rather phase. And the would you rather phase is I get ambushed regularly with questions, Daddy, would you rather? And if you've ever come across the would you rather questions, they're basically, they give you two terrible options and you just have to pick one of them. And there's something you can't think about and you just have to pick them. So one of them, they might be eating dinner and they say, Daddy, would you rather have hands for feet or feet for hands? And you're like, no, is the answer. And they're like, no, you've got to pick one. And so in, the, in that phase, in that tradition, I'm going to do some with you this evening and I'm going to do a Would You Rather Christmas edition. So what's going to happen in a moment, a couple of Would You Rathers are going to appear on the screen behind me. But because there's so many of you, and I want to know what you all think, the way we're going to answer them is we're going to do stand up, sit down. And the one that appears on this side of the screen, like the chair, you stay sitting if you would rather do that. If you would rather do the one on this side, where I am, standing, you need to stand up. Does that make sense? That side sitting, this side standing. Let's go. Limber, get ready. Would you rather Christmas edition 2022? Would you rather stay up late on Christmas Eve or wake up early on Christmas morning? Go. Would you stay up late on Christmas Eve sitting or wake up early on Christmas morning? I think, we, I think the sittings might have that. They would rather stay up late on Christmas Eve and look bleary-eyed Christmas morning. Okay, sit yourselves down. Next one. Standing up to my side, for those who ask. Would you rather have only Quality Street chocolates or Cadbury's Heroes? Wow. I'm with the Heroes on this one. Absolutely. I think Heroes might have it in the majority. Sit yourselves down. Would you rather... Have people start playing Christmas music in the office in October, or you couldn't take your Christmas tree down until March? Which one? Which one? <laughs> oh man, I think the music has it by a landslide there. Some of you still want your tree up in March. What's the matter with you? Here we go. Number four. Would you rather eat Christmas dinner every day for the rest of your life or never eat Christmas dinner again? You monsters who are standing. What's wrong with you? Never again? Oh, that's terrible. Sit down. <laughs> Number five. Would you rather get one big present or ten small presents? Oh, I'm, I'm with the, I'm with the, I'm with the, I want one big one. Okay, it might be a bit split there. Sit yourselves down. <laughs> Here we go. Would you rather watch Home Alone on repeat or Die Hard on repeat? Yes, it's Die Hard. Yes, it's Die Hard. 
What? <laughs> Sit yourselves down. This, uh, this one's going to reveal stuff. Would you rather be green like the Grinch or have a red nose like Rudolph? <laughs> There's, there are a lot of reindeer fans here. Lots of them. Sit yourselves down. This one splits our family. It doesn't split our family. It just isolates me and makes me feel small. Would you rather have a real Christmas tree or an artificial one? Why is no one standing? That's, thank you. Oh, oh, oh it's terrible. <laughs> Don't want a real Christmas tree. Pine needles everywhere. Anyway. <laughs> Grinch, yeah, Grinch, yeah. Shh. Number nine, would you rather go to work dressed as an elf every day in December or wear an awful Christmas jumper every day of December? <laughs> there are a lot of elves out there and some Christmas jumper fans. Okay, last one. This is going to be an interesting one. So, ironically, some of you are already there. Would you rather have Father Christmas beard or Father Christmas belly? <laughs> well, to people like this, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you can argue about that later. Feel free to pass those on and, and spread, spread the Christmas cheer. All right, what we're going to be looking at uh, tonight is we're going to look about what it means for it to be Christmas every day. Why did we pick that as our theme for our Christmas series this year and our carol service? It's more than the fact that we like the song. Can anyone tell me the year that the song was released in? 1970, I think I heard it, 1973 by Wizard. It's gone double platinum since then. It was voted uh, one of the most favorite Christmas songs in the nation. But the reason we're talking about we wish it could be Christmas every day is because if Christmas is all about Jesus and his coming and all about having a relationship with Jesus, then it really can be Christmas every day because you can have a relationship with Jesus. More than festivities and presents, it's about a baby in a manger, this baby who grew up to do and say incredible things, make outstanding claims about himself who died on a cross and then rose again and now rules and reigns in heaven forever and one day return to wrap up this world. A, a baby, Jesus, who has changed the lives of millions upon millions of people. Real life church is full of men and women who have had encounters with Jesus. But what does it mean What's it look like to know Jesus every day? Well, I'm going to read a verse from the Bible, and you're going to help me, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about it, and then we will wrap up. So do you mind, Ruth, putting the verse uh, on the uh, thing behind me? You've, I've asked you to do a lot. One last thing. We're going to read this together. So I'm going to count it, and we're going to go one, two, three, and then we're going to read the verse as you can see up there. So ready? One, two, three, go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's from John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to look at two things out of this verse very quickly. The first thing about how we can know Christmas every day is, one, we can know God's love every day, and two, we can have eternal life every day. The first one, we can know God's love every day. It begins, for God so loved the world. 
God so loved the world. So this is a love that comes from God. What does this mean? What is this about? Well, when Jesus came to earth as a baby, both fully man and fully God, God entered our creation. God entered what he had made. What he, he, had, he came to earth as a baby, as a person, and he came out of love. Now, love is a really powerful term, but it can also be very unhelpful. I love my wife. I love reading a good book, and I love mince pies. Do you get the point there? Love can be unhelpful. So if we can talk about love, you have to explain and define the love because it's not always clear on what you're talking about or what you mean by that. So when we talk about the love of God, we are talking about a passionate, never-ending, unfailing, sacrificial love that is extended towards mankind, extended towards the hurt and the broken and the wounded. That is the love of God. It is merciful and it is compassionate. The picture would be like a parent, a loving parent. The passion and the love they have for their child, that would be something along the lines of God's love for his people for this world that we live in. And so when God comes in love, that's what we mean. God so loved the world. So we have a love that comes from God. But this is a love that motivates action. Because it says that love means he gave. He did something. In a world where talk is cheap, when love motivates action, you know there's something real about it. You know there's something behind it. You know it means something. If someone's love motivates them to do something or act in a certain way or not act in a certain way, you know love is real and love is in action. And the love of God is seen in action when this baby, God himself, came to earth, born in a dirt stable to unmarried parents in a nowhere place. The, the creator of everything entered his creation in the most humble way possible. The one who dwells in unapproachable light is born in this backwater town in the corner of the Roman Empire where nothing happens. That's where God decided to come. And this love that is bigger and stronger than anything we can imagine was motivated into action and he came to the world. And it says he, and this love, this third thing, is that this love wants a relationship. It says whoever believes in him, Jesus didn't come as a tourist on a tour of the Middle East, sightseeing. He entered creation. He came so that we might know him. And this, crea- uh, this relationship is open to everyone. It says whoever there, whoever believes in him. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, doesn't matter your age or your gender or your educational status, it doesn't matter doesn't matter whether you work full-time, part-time, voluntary. You're staying at home. God loves whoever it is. And we saw that in our readings. We had a kind of a funny cross-section of people there. We had Mary, the teenager who was pregnant, her, 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 her fiancé with him, Joseph. Then we had, they were just a, an ordinary couple from a nowhere place, Nazareth. And then you've got the shepherds who were just common laborers out in the field. They tend to be on the fringes of society. And then you had the wise men, the foreigners who came in with strange clothes and stranger accents and even stranger gifts for the king. And the message is God's love is for everyone, whoever believes in him. And so if it's going to be Christmas every day, 
and Christmas is all about Jesus and all about having a relationship with him, then we can enjoy it on a day-to-day basis, not just once a year when we look at a baby in a manger, which is fantastic news. So the first one then, we can have God's love every day. The second one is we can enjoy eternal life every day. This is fantastic news, but what does this mean? Well, before we get to the good news, we have to deal with the bad news because the, the verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Well, what's this perishing about? Well, perishing is not a good word. If you are perishing, something bad is happening. Something bad is happening too. And we have to dig into our own personality and lives and we have to talk about the awkward subjects of our failures and all the things we get wrong and all the mistakes we made. And if we were truly honest with ourselves and we looked in the mirror, we would recognize that we fail and make mistakes on a daily basis. In fact, if we were really honest, we would go but further that and know that we say and we think and we do things that are just sometimes horrible. Is it just me that feels like it's gone really quiet here? We all know this, don't we? We all do this. And what we try and do is we try and justify them. We try and justify our bad behavior and our bad thoughts. And we try and make excuses for them. But deep down, we know it, it just doesn't cut it. We know we've all messed up. And in our desire to look good or to get ahead, we end up manipulating, we end up lying. And sometimes we can be just downright vicious and cruel to one another. We fall short of our own standards so often. We're reminded that of this time of year. Why? Because New Year's coming. And what do we do at New Year? Fools that we are. We keep setting resolutions. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll be better. I'll do better. I'll lay off the wine and the chocolate. I'll go to the gym. I'll start doing things that help me. And do we? Do we, heck. We can't get, we can't get to the end of January. We just fall short of our own standards. But it's worse than that because the Bible says we don't just fall short of our own standards, we fall short of God's standards. The Bible just simply calls that sin. It means missing the mark. God is totally good, totally perfect, totally just, the creator of all things, the giver of all things, and his standard is perfection. And when we start comparing ourselves to that, the gap only just gets wider and wider and wider. And we find ourselves guilty of falling short of him and all that he demands for us, every thought, word, deed, Everything we do that's wrong, everything we should have done that we don't do, we are proved to a point where we like we know we are guilty. But we might cry, what about our good deeds? I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I give to charity. I volunteer. I work hard. I love my family. I raise my kids. But we know that even in the midst of those, we still fail. We drive that little bit too fast over the speed limit. We knock off five minutes earlier than work. We tell white lies somehow to justify ourselves. But actually missing the mark means just that. We miss the mark every day. And even when Jesus came, he said some pretty uncomfortable things and pointed out things like adultery and murder are more than just acts. They start with thoughts. And if you thought about bad things about someone or lustfully, you've already failed, Jesus says. But there's good news. No matter how guilty we find ourselves, there is good news. We stand guilty, and when we know we're guilty, we stand under punishment. We know that. Anytime we see something in the news that something's gone wrong, something bad's happened, something rises up and has said, the guilty must be punished, which is true, they must. But when we're the guilty, it suddenly becomes very uncomfortable. But there's good news. What is the good news? It says, but they can have eternal life. 
And this brings us back to Jesus, to that baby in a manger, the one who was both fully God and fully man. He came to deal with the problem. As fully man, Jesus could identify with our weaknesses and our frailties. He lived the life we live. He knew what it was to be tired and hungry and lonely. He knew those things. He knew what it means to be lied about, to be turned on, to be betrayed. And as fully God, he was perfectly innocent. None of the charges against him could ever stick. And because of that, he could take the punishment we could deserve. He could die in our place for our sin. He was the one who perished so that we don't have to. This is the love of God in action. This is the love that motivated him to save us. And the cross speaks volumes of that. The coming of Jesus at Christmas is wonderful, but you cannot have Christmas without the cross. You cannot have Christmas without Easter. You cannot have the full story. You've got to have it all. And Jesus came so that we might have life, and he died to make that happen. And it says those who believe in him, Another way of saying that would be those who have faith in him or those who trust him. Or other words, you'll find they can know eternal life. And what does that mean? Well, there's the eternal meaning looking forward into the future. Eternal just means never ending. So there's life that runs into the future. This life is not the end. If it is, it would be a miserable, horrible place if this was all there is. And this is all they amounted to. But actually there is life beyond it. And the Bible describes that there is life beyond the grave. A place where there is no more suffering and no more tears. And the old order of things have passed away. And all that's good and right in this world is left. And we get to be with Jesus forever. And Jesus said, I've conquered the grave. I've dealt with that. I've conquered the power of death. Those who believe and trust in me will know life beyond the grave. Come and enjoy it. But it's not just that. You can know that life right now. Eternal life starts now, not just right at the end. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly now. So what does that look like? Well, what are people striving for in life now? Think about yourselves. Think about people you know. Think about what you look in the media. There's three things that kind of came to me as I was preparing this. People are looking for purpose. People are looking for identity. And people are looking for hope. People are looking for purpose. What is this life all about? And they attach it to so many different things. They attach it to their dreams. If I, my, my life is about my dreams that I want to achieve. It's about the next political cause or the next social cause. And I will find my kind of salvation through that. And I will find my understanding through that. And I'll, I'll find my, my purpose and my meaning through that. But the reality is any dream that you could have, any of those things can be snatched away with a single phone call. They can be snatched away when the leader or the the person you're following is suddenly revealed to be a hypocrite and a liar, or even worse. But Jesus says, where do you find your purpose? You find it in me. Because I made you, and I know you, and only in me will you find your true purpose in life. What it means to follow me and live after me. What about your identity? The world's saying you've got to find out who you are. Make your identity. You can even make your own identity. Choose what you want for it. But the problem with that is that we can't even live up to it. It comes with a crushing realization that we can't reach what we're attaining for. We're like, we want to be like, and then we suddenly find ourselves falling short again and again and again, which just multiplies failures of confusion and failure. The only place you find your true identity is in Jesus. Jesus says, I know you. I made you when you are in me, when you trust me, then you will find out who you really are. And you don't have to achieve it, you can just receive it, because I've done all the hard work already. What about hope? Who can put my trust in? Where do I put my faith in? Where do I put my hope in? People say put it in your health, or your bank balance, or your family, or your retirement plan, 
or the stability of your nation and its leaders. But if the last few years have told us anything, what's that? (laughs) They can be shaken in a moment and everything can change. A global pandemic, a war in Europe, rising prices, world leaders doing the unthinkable. It can all get pulled away. But Jesus says there's only one place you find hope and that's in me. Why? Because even the grave couldn't cope with me. I conquered death. I'm the only one you can put your hope in and it will last. And most people put their hope in things that won't last. We even use that word. I hope England will win the World Cup. How did that work out? Too soon? Sorry, too soon. So painful. When we talk about hope in Christ, it's 100% certain. He will never let you down. He cannot fail. He is God. So what does this mean for us? Well, we need to make a response. And with this, I'll finish. This is where we are today. What are we going to do? How are you going to respond to this? Because the truth is God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So my challenge to you today is, do you know who he is? This baby of Bethlehem. This one that millions and millions around the world choose to worship. God who came to earth. If you want to know what God looks like, easy. Look at Jesus. That's what God's like. Find out. Make the effort to look into that. We run an Alpha course here in the New Year. It's an opportunity for you to come and have some questions answered or ask some questions about who Jesus is. See what he's done. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross in our place for us. And he rose bodily from death and rules and reigns victorious. And there is evidence in the church all around the world for that today. And he offers you life now and life in the future in abundance. And the final one is put your faith and trust in him. There are many, many, many men and women in this room who have done that and done that for decades. Talk to them. Ask them what they think. So if Christmas is all about Jesus and all about having a relationship with Jesus, then it clearly can be Christmas every day. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to, the band come up and I'm just going to pray. I can't believe I stopped you. Some of you will start to clap. I should have just let that one go. Don't do it now. Don't now. I always said it. <laughs> I'm just going to pray. So do you want to close your eyes? And then we're going to sing some more to finish. Lord God, I want to thank you that you came. Lord, I thank you that love motivated action and that you came to earth. To save us. Lord God, I want to thank you that whoever believes in you will have eternal life. We will not face the punishment for our crimes, our sins, but we can have life in you. God, I thank you for that too. I thank you that as we celebrate in Christmas, that's what we're looking towards. Lord Jesus, I pray for us all here. I pray you would come and meet with us wherever we find ourselves on our journey. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd speak to us, reveal yourself to us, that we may know you and that it really can be Christmas every day. Amen? Amen.